Okay, this is the next episode of 10 Questions in this Thinker. And with me this time, I have got Mitch Parker. Hello, Mitch. Good evening. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Um, man, I can't even I can't even begin to tell you how uh, how interesting of a interesting or at least stressful of a week or two weeks it's it, it's been. Um, ended up uh, with the flu, and uh, then after that, it just got super super busy, and uh, I had to put off one of my uh, recordings earlier this week because of that and man that's just it's been a packed week what about you it's been very very busy i have two small children so running all over the place and it's just it's been a week of early mornings and late evenings and a lot of work in between i understand that definitely do understand that all right well Let's go ahead and dive in. Sure. Um, question number one, a common first question I use for most people. Uh, what is it that uh, got you into the technology field in general in the first place? Uh, when I was eight years old, I got a Commodore 64, which I'm sure is pretty much a standard answer you get from a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people started off in the Commodores, and that's where I started off as well. And when I got in high school, I started taking apart computers, figuring out how they worked, and started learning how to program them in college, and ended up professionally programming, and ended up learning how to professionally secure them a few years afterwards. So you started programming in college. What was the what, what was the uh, programming language you were learning at that time? I started off with, of all things, Turbo Pascal 6, moved on to Assembler, moved on to C++ and Java, and of all things, used Java in the real world after I graduated, and SQL. Wow. A, a, a lot of people uh, uh, would not uh, be brave enough to say that, they're, uh, that they uh, program in Java on a regular basis, or at least nowadays, they, they wouldn't. Um, I think uh, if it, it feels like almost like Java's fallen out of favor. I look at Java as being the 21st century equivalent of COBOL. A lot of people aren't going to admit they're COBOL programmers, but there's billions of lines of that code running out there, and that code's going to outlive both of us. That uh, that that's a very good uh, comparison right there. I, I I think that that's probably pretty accurate. So. Um, well, uh, then uh, whenever whenever you uh, took the stuff that you were programming and started to learn how to secure it, was that was that a uh, stuff that you just started to pick up on your own, or did you end up uh, falling into a job where that was required? Well, I had been doing security off and on at the small company I was at, and trying to secure their web applications. And one day I was on a contract with a DOD customer and somebody came up to me and said, we need to make sure that this system is secure. Here's the guide. I need you to figure it out. You need, you need it done by the end of the day. There you go. I, I, I think that's smaller companies in general. Um, 
I, I've e even had a version of that kind of uh, throwdown put in front of me today myself. So I, I, I kind of understand that. And I can tell you, yeah, that was actually for a defense contract I was on. Mm -hmm. And the and the answer we ship next week was put in front of me, and we got it. We got it working somehow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's were, were the the people that provided the answer of we ship next week, or were, were they the type of people that uh, that uh, promised prior to discovering logistics? They were the kind that promised before discovering the DOD Security Technical Implementation Guides, better known as the STIGs. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I can feel that pain as well. I, I understand that. Okay. Well, uh, moving on, um, question number two. What would you say is probably your most favorite uh, most favorite subsection of security these days? I would have to say I'm doing a lot of work these days in basically preparing systems for forensic analysis. So it's kind of a preventative approach that we're taking. Instead of taking, instead of trying to do DFIR on systems where no one ever thought of security, we're actually working with customers to ensure they have what they need to do DFIR if something happens, more like when something happens. And, you know, not a lot of people uh, take that kind of proactive approach. There's still a very prevalent uh, break-fix approach in... That's it's it's good to hear that you're somebody that is being more proactive on that. Thank you. So, um, all right, let's uh, let, let's jump away from technology uh, here. Um, are you a sports fan? Oh yes, I am. And I can tell you, my Twitter talks about the Philadelphia Eagles consistently. Okay, okay. Uh, wh wh what did you think of their performance uh, this past season? Honestly, they had way too many injuries. Offensive line just wasn't there. I don't know how Carson Wentz passed for 4,000 yards. He sets some kind of record because he, post he passed over for over 4,000 yards to the most wide receivers you could, literally. And the team was just so banged up this past season. Somehow managed to win the NFC East, and I think it was more due to the incompetence of the other three teams than it was to the Eagles doing well. Well, that happens sometimes, whether you're talking about pro ball or college ball or even if you jump into other sports. It's, uh, it, it's not always win by being the best. Sometimes it's win by not being the worst. And in the case of the NFC East, that was very true this past season. So have you been a Eagles fan your entire life, or is that more of a, uh, a, a adult part of life uh, coming to? I'm from Philly. And uh, 
you're not allowed to root for other teams. Now, there are some people out there that try and be ironic and be Cowboys fans, but we see right through them. Yeah, I, well, it, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas, and even though I don't actually live in Dallas, I have had people all my life tell me, why aren't you rooting for the Cowboys? Why aren't you rooting for the Cowboys? I was going to say that that was pretty much the entire reason the Houston Oilers left left Texas is because no one wanted to root for a team other than Dallas. I I actually rooted for the Oilers. I I I, I the, the the other big thing that I always remember is that uh, those uh, four years that the Buffalo Bills went to the Super Bowl straight in a row. Yeah, I I, I rooted for the Bills all four years right there. And I can tell you, I remember when the Patriots played the Rams in the Super Bowl about 20 years ago when Tom Brady was a rookie. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about watching that Super Bowl was thinking, oh my God, this! I hope this guy, Vinatieri, isn't going to be the next Scott Norwood. <laughs> well, he, he ended up working out a lot, a lot better than uh, you were thinking at the time, it sounds like. Absolutely, and he's a local celebrity here in Indianapolis because he's played for, he's played for the Colts for a very long time. He's about the only expatriate the Indy fans like. Very true. That 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 makes sense. I didn't even think about it that way. Um, well, it, 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 being in uh, being in Indy, uh, have you um, have you been uh, drawn into the cult of Hoosier basketball yet? Uh, that's something you cannot escape. I mean, out here, pretty much basketball is everything. And there is that whole, what team do you, it's, they don't talk about the Pacers out here. They talk about IU, Purdue, or Butler. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I I was in Arizona for a while. It was a similar, it was a similar uh, atmosphere with the place I worked at, it's, it was all about basketball. It was all about University of Arizona basketball. I don't entirely know for sure why, because they're, University of Arizona and Arizona State, um, neither of them seemed to be exceptionally good while I was there. Well, I can tell you back in the mid-'90s, when Lou Olson was head coach of Arizona, they were consistently one of the best teams in college basketball. And when you got a legendary coach like Lou Olson, everyone's going to love that guy. True, true. Yeah, that that would uh, that, that would make sense. I, that, that's another uh, cross sport truth. Um, I'm I'm sure we could sit here and just start naming off coaches in any sport, any school, any you know any pro team that are exactly like that. Tell you tell you for sure. Ever since I left Arizona, I have uh, I have never really stumbled across uh, any uh, groups that uh, I have any connection to locally that do um, do uh, March Madness brackets like they uh, like they did out there. Yeah, I've actually. They don't. We don't do them at work, but I actually joined on to a tech company's one uh, a couple of years ago, and unfortunately, the girl that ran it, she went off to another company. So I got to find someone else to do my bracket with this year. <laughs> yeah, it's the, I, I, I don't know. Uh, 
what, what, what you've run into with uh, people, how they choose to do their brackets. But uh, I, I've had I've had people in ones that, that I ran that they chose them just based off which mascot they liked. Um, or I had a couple of people that asked me to choose for them, even though, I mean, goodness, I made educated guesses. But I, I, I've, I've never been one to sit down and watch college basketball. So all I knew was, uh, you know, what I, what I'd seen in the news about who had a big win here, who parentally was, it was any good. So that was, that, that was always an adventure. And yeah, I always liked them for the first round upsets. And, and I'm saying this in all seriousness, this is a Temple University alumni, what, seeing what round the owls were finally going to choke in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are there are some teams like that. It's like, okay, great. They can never get to the big one, but wait, how how far do they get before they choke? Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, Gonzaga is the one that I that I always. Uh, try to make a guess at when they're going to choke because they never seem to get quite far enough. Well, Zags were always famous because of their most famous alumni, John Stockton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, but, but they have been playing better ball lately. They have. So we'll see how they do this year. Yeah, there's, a, there's no telling right now. Um, okay, let's... Uh, Let's jump into another topic here. Uh, I guess this would officially be question number four. Um, so uh, are you more of a morning person or a night person? I would have to say night. Look, uh, if you're working InfoSec and you're a night person and I got started in this career working way past everyone else and ended up going to night school for five years. So... Yeah, I'm used to the nights. So uh, I take it you've probably been in been in plenty of jobs where you've had to you've had to be on call twenty four seven for a week or more straight. Yes, yes, I have. Hey, is, did did you ever end up uh, burning out from being on call? Uh, at least once during my career, it's happened. Yeah, there's a lot of these questions I find myself asking you because I'm thinking the I'm, I'm thinking the same thing about me. I'm I'm finding myself burning out of being on call right now, and it's just I'm just like I'm dying. I really don't care. <laughs> and the thing is, I was on call for and just on call straight. Because as soon as you get the CISO job, mm. you're pretty much on call. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that being the case. And there was a lot of late nights that I had the first couple of years of it. And that's it just wears at you. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it definitely does. Definitely does. All right. Well, s since you're a night person, um, are, you, uh, are you somebody that enjoys a midnight snack? I gotta say, I used to, and I kind of cut that stuff out. Okay, okay. Um, 
always good improving the, the healthier decisions, especially as we get older. I, I, I don't find myself doing that as much either. What, what was your favorite go-to, though, before you cut it out? I'm trying to think. I think I kept. I think I kept the Pepsi Corporation in business. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm. Uh, I'm keeping Coca-Cola in business right now. I've, I, I've gone on record plenty of times about. Uh, uh, liking this uh, cinnamon coke flavor that they did during the holidays, and man, I've been I, I've been uh, swigging that like it's going out of style. I, I also remember when Jolt Cola first came out, and I used to love that stuff too. But Jolt Cola was good. It was good. I don't know how bad it was for me, but it it was good though. All I remember is is twice the sugar, twice the caffeine, and boy, did that keep you up when you were at do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I only cough. I'm still got residuals from the from the flu. So, um, okay. Well, uh, since you avoid the late night stuff from food uh, these days, um, what about uh, breakfast? What's what's your ideal breakfast food? I got I got to admit, coffee. Just coffee, nothing else. Pretty much, it's the, these days. It's the Starbucks venti cold brew with a triple shot of espresso. Wow, wow! Like I said, I've got small kids. By the time I get everything done, get and get them breakfast, get the cats fed, get everything else done in the house, it's I need the caffeine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've only got one. Uh, I I can only imagine. Uh, I can only imagine how uh, more than that would go. Yeah, it is. It's an adventure in the mornings. All right. Um, who was your favorite band in high school? I'd have to say Metallica. Metallica. Okay, then then we need to talk uh, albums. What's your favorite Metallica album of all time? I'd have to say Master of Puppets on that one. Ah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Is there uh is there an album that uh you think that they shouldn't have done? Oh, I'd have to go with Saint Anger on that one. Oh, you didn't like Saint Anger? Oh, it's like there's two albums I really didn't like, but I really didn't like by them and Saint Anger because how do you do an album without a Kirk Hammett guitar solo? That shouldn't exist. Okay. And the second one, which I grew to not appreciate, was Injustice for All because they did the entire album and Lars tur- turned down Jason Newsted's bass. So, and I thought that was kind of a dick move. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I. Uh, I've thought the same thing ever since I learned that that happened. Speaking of him, uh, I think uh, um, you remember whenever CBS had the had the Rockstar Supernova and then Rockstar in excess. Yes, I do. Yeah, what was what? Jason, one of the one of the ones in the uh, Supernova group. Yes, he was. 
Yeah, yeah. It was too bad they only released one album after that went down. Yeah, I know. He, that guy has got a ton of projects going on. Yeah, it was. It, it was the. Uh, did, did you get to listen to that album? I I I really didn't get to listen to that one. I I hadn't touched it in a long time, but I I remembered it was it, it was pretty solid. Um, it was it was a little cookie cutter, almost like uh, almost like uh, some um, you know PR whiz in, from the recording industry had used some kind of artificial intelligence to figure out. Uh, f- figure out uh, the formula to all the songs that needed to be on the album, but uh, but but no, I mean for for what it was, it was pretty solid. I I, I would have loved to seen yeah you know, loved to seen the second album from them. Because I remember also, I think Gilby Clark was in that band too, Ex Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, Jason and Gilby, and then uh, Tommy Lee was the drummer. I thought that was kind of funny, but again, you take a look at it, take a lot of the music out there, a lot of it was algorithmically generated, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. <coughs> okay, um, so moving on to question number seven, are you uh, are you more of a uh, book person or a, or a TV movie person? I would have to say a book person because honestly, uh, TV becomes kind of a background for me. Usually, when I'm reading or writing something. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I, I'm always personally fascinated uh, to people that can uh, tune it out because I, I know I, I've, I actually have problems tuning it out. It's. Uh, it's it's a bit of a twist. I need to normally turn that stuff down if I'm going to focus on anything else. Um, who's your uh, who's your favorite author? It used to be Neil Stephenson. I used to read a lot of his stuff, but I kind of, after the Baroque cycle, I kind of dropped off. So I'm looking here at my bookcase, and it's kind of sad because I really haven't read that much that's non-tech lately hazard of the job right Abs- absolutely and again there's been a lot of a lot of great books out there i just i just haven't had the time to really finish a lot of the ones i'd like yeah uh, i can understand that And the last one I read was All Aboard. It was a book by an attorney I know, Olga Mack. She's CEO of a legal tech company out in California, and it talks about what steps you need to do to actually become a successful board member. And I thought that was really that book was really re- interesting, and I thought it brought up a lot of very interesting ideas about how to better expand security. Okay, okay. I'm going to have to have to go check that out. And you, you see, you, between expanded security and and uh, how to be a good board member, because man, that's that seems like more of an art than science sometimes. It really, it really is on both fronts. And again, there's a lot of commonalities in there between being a board member and working in information security. 
And the truth is, is that both of them are positions where you have to influence without direct involvement. And there's a lot we in security can learn about how to present ourselves, how to be organized, and how to network. And I think that's where we have a lot of room for improvement in the industry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know anybody that would that would disagree with that. Fortunately, implementation on anything it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's security or if it's even putting something in. Implementation is always pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know the whole implementation and pulling teeth and all that jazz. Um, the only place I have it had trouble with implementation. It's my current place. Because uh, yeah, I'm at a uh, PCI shop, and everybody there has been so indoctrinated that that uh, PCI it, it has to be maintained, yada yada yada. And so all I have to do is invoke those three letters, and everybody's like, "Okay." It's uh, what? it's weird. It, it, it's it, it's an odd feeling to get people just to agree with something without fighting. <laughs> Well, if you take a look at the effects of PCI, there's a couple things you have to factor in there. Number one is obviously the ability for people to get paid because a lot of merchant banks want PCI certification and also the net effect of paying less than your insurance policy for it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot with PCI. New 4.0 standard I happen to like very much, but they need to take more of an approach of, hey, the cloud exists, other than let's try and secure this environment that is 10 years out of date. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a cloud project ahead of me. Yeah, since uh, my uh, workplace got acquired and uh, the new owners are wanting to push everything into the cloud, so... <laughs> That'll be fun. I was going to say, uh, a lot of people have put PCI in the cloud, and it works. Yeah, it it, it does. There's, you know, there, there, there's some, uh, there, there, there's you, you got to do a little bit of creative interpretation on on a few things, just because there's certain things that are done that there's just not really there's not really an exact equivalent. Uh, in uh, older uh, on-prem networks uh, all the time, um, but uh, for the most part, yeah, it's it's one of those things that you just you, you apply what you do to to the new environment. It doesn't matter where it is. So I I just think the biggest thing on the new PCI standards, and this is something I've been looking at, has been that they don't account for real realities of BGP or DNS hijacking. Right, and that's been my greatest qualm with the new PCI standard is how do I account for that? I haven't had the time to dig to dig dig that out and start reading it yet, but I think I'm gonna have to now. Yeah, I used my PCI standards council membership, went on their website, downloaded 4.0, and quite frankly, sent them back an Excel spreadsheet of everything we found. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm drawing a blank for the next question. Um, I know, I'm sorry, that happens, man. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, and of course, it's uh, it, this will be uh, edited out at this point because there's a lot of dead air, and now I'm just now I'm rambling for a moment while I think. I understand. Actually, you know what? I I I'm going to revisit the the Philly. Philly and the sports thing. Um, you, know, you were you were saying earlier that uh, you're a big Eagles fan and you grew, you grew up there. Um, are, are you uh, on uh, on the bandwagon with uh, any other uh, Philly teams? Oh, I am, and also a Sixers, Phillies, and Flyers fan. And I will tell you, we wanted to take our kids to their first baseball game. We drove to Cincinnati, took them to see the Phillies play. Hey, that's that's dedication. And when I go to Bankers Life Fieldhouse to watch the Pacers, it's usually against the Sixers. Okay. Um, all right, so... I guess sticking on the Philly topic, um, question number nine is the ultimate uniter divider um, whenever it comes to Philly, from what I understand. But uh, which place has the best cheesesteak? D'Alessandro's out in Roxborough. What, ma what makes it the best? So I'll be very clear about this. Gino's and Pat's are where we send the tourists. There's Tony Luke's in Front in Oregon, which is always good. There's Jim Steaks in South Street, which is also really good. But again, with the combination of the bun, the cheese, and the overall presentation, I am going to have to give the edge to Delisandros. Even though Jim's has the better hot peppers. Okay, well... Definitely got definitely got a places to add to my list once I finally am able to head up that way and poke around. Oh yes, and Steve's Princess of Steaks is also good as well. But again, I just remember when I worked at the base every Wednesday was Delisandros. Okay, okay. Well, if uh, any other Philly people are listening and. Uh, you uh, vehemently disagree with that. You can find Mitch at Mitch Parker CISO, um, and you can take that up with him. Don't take it up with me. I'm not a, I'm not a not a Philly cheesesteak authority by any means. <laughs> okay, um, that gets us to question number ten. Okay. And uh, kind of like I had my standard one that I started with. I've kind of got my standard one that I end with at this point. What's the both the best and the worst advice you ever have received? So best advice I ever received was when I started off in information security when I was a defense contractor and 
basically told to wa- basically told to watch yourself. This is how the workforce really is when you get into infosec, and this these are the people you need to watch out for. Just keep focused on the work and always make sure you do the right thing and have evidence. And when it comes to the worst, I'm going to have to say when I was applying for my job at Temple Health in 2008, I actually had someone come up to me on the street who didn't want me to apply for a job and said, you know, Mitch, I heard the CIO is getting rid of that position. You might want to apply elsewhere. And the worst advice was to actually even consider for five seconds that someone out there was actually even being remotely serious about that and didn't have nefarious motives. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah I've heard a few other stories like that for people. It was that's not fun trying to trying to suss out. Uh, people that have ulterior motives whenever they do stuff like that. Yeah, I'm thankful that person lasted less than a year and a half after I joined the organization. All right. Well, that is the end of 10 official questions. Um, Have anything else you want to add before we're done or anything you want to plug? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, Best thing I can really say to anyone is I like trying to reach out to people that are getting at, getting into the field. And one of the things I found at InfoSec is there's a lot of gatekeepers out there. There's a lot of people that really don't want to have others in InfoSec. And one of the things that I like to do in my position is like to work with other people and make sure these people have someone they can reach out to, have someone they can talk to about getting into the field and understanding what life is really like in the field. And again, if there's anyone out there that wants to talk about that, I'm always willing to talk. And a big part of what we do, a big part of what I do is specifically is to present that out there so people have that realistic view of what's going on instead of getting some sanitized view. And quite frankly, a lot of people get that view of, hey, I am getting shut out of this field. I don't know what to do. People are giving me crazy requirements. And I'm really big about trying to help people stay in this field and bring new people into it. And again, I'm open for if anyone's got any questions or wants to know more. All right. That's that's always wonderful to hear, uh, whether it's you or anybody else that, that – uh, makes himself available like that that's that, that that's what sustains sustains this field is what i can is what i've seen so uh thank you very much for saying that you're very welcome